Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Final hour, Tuesday edition, Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Titans win their seventh game of the season. They return home. It'll be a short week for them as they prepare for the New Orleans Saints, who lost this past week and come to Nissan Stadium with a very good defense. And who knows at quarterback? Uh, We'll find out if it's Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill or someone else. Uh, we'll get into all that this hour and much more. Um, we, we we discussed a lot last week about a Titans team that needed to keep their identity but have the distribution change up some on offense. We know it's going to change up a lot with Derrick Henry out. They still want to get 25 carries. They still want Ryan Tannehill to be between 25 and 30 pass attempts. That's the formula on offense. And they can do it and get by with the struggles that they've had last week and do it again this week, for that matter, because their defense. Their identity on defense is something you can buy into and trust. And it's because up front and down the heart of this defense, there are players that step up now game in and game out over this stretch run since that Jets performance. Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry up front coming off the best game of the season for both, um, but a career performance by Jeffrey Simmons in a dominant fashion. Uh, beyond that, Kevin Byard, four interceptions over the past five weeks. Uh, and Bud Dupree continues to flash that he's about to really take that next step. And that's cliche. Take, take the takeover, I think, is how to describe that. Harold Landry's been doing it. And Bud Dupree continues to show flashes, guys, of a player that they signed him to be. A guy that appears as though he's feeling healthy and strong again. And that's great as they hit the backstretch of the season where now you can have a tandem on the outside and the duo on the inside paired with the secondary that's led led by Kevin Byer that has been extremely opportunistic. It's amazing. And it just goes to show how this game and just sports in general can flip everything on its head. From what you expect. The fact that we're sitting here and you're rightfully saying, Hutton, the identity of the Titans is on defense right now. That's where they have the identity. Coming into the last season and this offseason, if we would have said that, we, we would have been crazy to have said that. But but that's that's where they are. Jeffrey Simmons sort of stepped into stardom, I think, on, on Sunday night. He was better than Aaron Donald in that game. He was terrific. There's been times where I think Jeffrey Simmons could do more. Mm-hmm. He's able to do more now with Danico Autry there. He was great. Kevin Byard, he's been great in the past. He's been so-so at times. He's been great now again. He is a clear leader on that defense. Paul, that, that is their identity right now. They, have, they don't have one without Derrick Henry on offense. they got to find it. They're going to have to figure a lot of things out on that side of the ball, but defense has been really good. Yeah, and you look at what they added in the offseason, particularly – on the free agent front, right? Janoris Jenkins has been, you know, 
pretty mediocre. We haven't talked about him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you look at Kendall Lamb, who they signed on the first day. <clears throat> he hasn't been able to beat out David Questenberry. He was behind Ty Sambrilo before he retired. Josh Reynolds asked for and got his release today. Danico Autry has been everything that they wanted yeah. and more. And you pair him with Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons, I've talked about. Chad has concurred, I know. I'm not sure where you stood. Coming into this season, very good run defender who did not affect the passing game enough, and he is doing it now. He's grown in He's taking to over. the full role of that interior defensive lineman, really with pass pressure and disruption. Listen, in the quick passing game now, which the Rams do a lot, the fastest route to the quarterback straight up the middle. And they were going straight up the middle, Autry and Simmons, and getting there in a hurry. Landry, in his fourth year, the last year of his contract, his game is elevated. Dupree is getting better. He's made at least a play in the last two mm -hmm. games where you say, hey, there he is. That's what he can do. And then Bayard <clears throat> really was terrible last year. People don't want to come right out and say it. He's covering too much for the corners. He didn't like the way the coaching thing was structured with the communication breakdowns and stuff and was doing more than hinting at it with the Shane Bowen uncertainty and all of that. There was no pass rush helping him out, and he was just stretched too thin. And he really is back to the player he was before that. Last year was a bad season for Kevin Byard, an aberration. But he's back. And I'll add into this mix a guy I'm concerned about this week who limped off late. Um David Long, yeah, who's yes, been a yes, very steady yes. guy. And I was thinking about this. I need to, to, Tackling to, machine. To, to talk more about this. They went from Avery Williamson, who's back with the Broncos today, who was a pretty good fifth-round pick as an inside linebacker, a position this team really hasn't valued in terms of spending big resources traditionally. Avery Williamson, and then they were willing to let him go to the Jets where he got too much money because they had drafted Jayon Brown, who was a better version and quite frankly, David Long is a better version of him. And they went boom, 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 three mid-round draft choices, hit on all three, and have gotten progressively better at that spot. Well, you left out Rashawn Evans, who they also Well, drafted. right. I was getting there. Rashawn Evans is the guy they overdrafted, who's not as good as those guys. Doesn't have the field sense and the field vision and everything. He's not making a play. He's missed the last two games with an ankle injury. And actually, the two games before that, Hut. They played so well on defense, he actually made a couple plays <laughs> because there's so much good going on around him. He couldn't yeah. help it, well, I felt it, like. It, it, right? He, he, I saw him make a play, and it, I was well, like, he does it's nothing. going so well that Rashawn Evans can't help but make a play. Was it the Buffalo game? There was one where he had a quarterback isolated, and he was charging he him and made, made a play. He made plays against Kansas City when everyone was, when they scored three points. And there was one against the Indianapolis, too. Well, meanwhile, David Long Jr., you, you can't help but recognize because he's always doing he's something. He's just everywhere. The complete opposite of Evans. Now, I'll get more into him. I'll get more into him when I do three three things later in, into Long. Well, but the, so you guys feel as though we're just seeing the beginning of a defense that – and that, you know the caveat, as long as they stay healthy. But a defense that with these guys, I feel like you can count on week in and week out now. Simmons and Autry. Sure. Landry has been there every week. Every I mean, he's week. averaging a sack a game. Um, you've got Dupree, who he had the batted pass in this game this past week. But there's always a moment with him that you feel like, okay, there's there. the veteran there that is. they signed that's about to come out and, you know, and start to dominate the way we've seen Landry do that, the way we've seen Autry do that. I think we're close to that. And then Bayard, who 
I, I don't know what has changed. Paul can detail this a bit more. But Vrabel, Vrabel alluded to this a bit yesterday in his press availability. The idea that Bayard was not supposed to be in the pass lane on the play where he recognized where the ball was going. That was not his assignment. In fact, he wasn't supposed to be close to the guy. Yeah, Bayard said that. I asked him about it. And then he was at, Vrabel was asked about it yesterday. And I, I want to hear what Bayard said. But Vrabel said, look, he studied. He was aware of where the ball was going. Do you, and I'm paraphrasing. Do you really think we're going to coach him not to follow his instincts there? Now, he said, he went on to say, if it becomes an issue and he starts jumping routes that aren't there and he sees ghosts, then, and again, I'm paraphrasing, we're going to have a conversation about it. But to have the confidence that you know where the ball's going and to bait the quarterback, a veteran at that who's been exceptional, to bait him into that throw and to pick it off after he just threw an interception, um, that tells you where his confidence level is. He's, he's feeling it. And that is a great rhythm to be in because right now you can name a player at every level of their defense that's making plays to win games. Here's the other thing about that is that Vrabel said after the game, with this pass rush is going as it is, we can now begin. He said we can now begin as if they haven't done it yet. Bayer definitely did it in this game. But we can begin to marry it up with some concepts in the secondary where we know the ball is going to have to come out in a certain frame of time, right? So he's not saying we can cheat and risk getting beat deep, but he's saying it's becoming so reliable that we know that the ball's got to come out at a certain amount of time or the guy's going to get sacked or have to throw it away. And so things like Kevin Byer jumping and anticipating that route can happen more often because the clock in their heads allows them to know well, in this span of time, only so much can happen, and I can go do this without leaving myself overexposed because the pass rush is going to take care of things. Jeffrey Simmons talked after the game also about all of this working together, doing the team thing, right, talking about everybody. But he's not lying. He didn't have an individual game. It was very much a group thing, and he was giving praise to everybody. We will hear this in just a moment. We'll get this reviewed up uh, with Jeffrey Simmons. Come out and attack the line of scrimmage. But, you know, just props to the D-line. You know, we rush together. We play together. You know, um, you don't get sacks unless all 11 on the field on the same page, um, especially when the quarterback holds the ball. We get into the pocket, you know, props to the guys on the back end. And um, they're, they're just like, you know, um, we're interception. You know, we affect the quarterbacks, let them, make them throw the ball up. All guys um, get interception. Like I said, all 11 on the same page. They're able to get pressure with four. Consistently. I mean, they, well, they blitzed, I think, two or three times in this game. And that's what they couldn't do last year. And that's why they weren't getting turnovers last year. The, so, the, I think they blitzed like 5% of the snaps, something like that. Yeah, very low percentage. Um, but keep and throughout mind, this whole month. So, it was the secondary that everyone was concerned about. I, I mean, I'll say everyone, I'm including myself on this, against Kansas City. Uh, then they went to Indy won that game. Then they just won against LA in that passing attack. And consider how injured they are on the back end of their defense. They're getting pressure with four. They they have faced over the last two weeks 146 snaps and they've allowed only 664 total yards. That's four and a half yards per play. If you look at Kansas City, Indy, and the Rams, they've been on the field for 214 plays 
They've allowed only 50 points in three games, and they've allowed just 4.6 yards per play. I mean, that's exceptional, exceptional for what they're asking their defense to do versus who they have personnel-wise and what they're working through on defense. And it's because of that front that is just wreaking havoc and throwing guys around like ragdolls. All of that said, you're asking kind of about what they can do going forward, and yeah. I know the opposition is not great. They gave up in the last month 31 two times. Right, right. To, to Buffalo and, and to Indianapolis. And we said all along, all we wanted them to do was get to the middle of the pack. Well, they're 12th and third down efficiency, mm-hmm. which is terrific when you're coming from 32nd by a mile last year. And they're 14th in points per game. Well, now, we expect them to get better because they're helping make up for Henry being gone and because they're better than we expected. This front four, I think, is better than we could have expected. Autry in particular Helping elevate it. If you take out, and it counts, it counts. If you take out the Arizona game, they're ninth in third down. They're ninth over their last eight games. Yeah. So they they stumbled out of the gate for sure. Look, but, but, but I only point that out. They were worst in the league last year on third down. Is it a defensive football team and should it be a defensive football team? Five of the top eight paid guys on this football team are on offense. And if you ask somebody to rattle off the big names on this team, oh. They yeah. start on offense, right? Even with Henry on the bench, you start with A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, right. Ryan Tannehill, and then you probably go Lawan and Saffle. Dupree is in there. Landry's starting to be there. But the big names are I, not. Simmons is now turning into a big name. But this is an offensive slanted team. If they get a defensive performance like this pretty regularly, they're right in line with your Super Bowl prediction. Well, and, and the thing the thing about that is I am comfortable with their upcoming slate of games that they're going to be just fine for playoff positioning. Oh, they yeah. And um, they've got more than more of a lead on the Ra- uh, the the uh, Ravens right now than you think because the Ravens have lost two conference games. My, my and the biggest, Titans have only lost my one. My biggest concern we can get into coming up with the, with the Titans team because we we're praising them for what they did in LA, and it's great. And that's a formula that I mean, that is a winning formula. There is a big concern, and it goes beyond just not having Derrick Henry on offense, because there's going to be a game or two coming up where they're going to face this issue. And the question is, are they good enough to overcome it and play their style of football on offense? Because, like it or not, Tannehill is not protecting the football the way he was last year. Eight picks. He's not. He's thrown some really bad passes over the last month and a half. And the one in this game was right up there. That That's a concern. And it, it will fall into the overriding issue for the Titans offense that they'll have to figure out. And they can, but the defense is has to keep them whole. And, and so far, so good in that over the last four games. More coming straight ahead, plus three things to watch as the Titans prepare for the Saints. This is Outkick 360. We give our standing ovations on Mondays across the NFL, but there were many people watching today's show who are giving a standing ovation to Chad Withrow during the break for the oh. accuracy and speed of which he just engulfed this hot dog. That sound you hear is me picking relish out of my teeth right now. <laughs> it was very fast. Relish and mustard? Mm. I got the, yes, what? the lone wolf. Lone wolf. From, from Daddy's Dog, which is uh, just relish, mustard, ketchup. It's delicious. Sounds, yeah, it sounds delicious. Look, I am... Uh, Go ahead. Well-versed in the world of broadcast where you eat during a commercial break and you eat fast. So I can eat as fast as anyone 
Uh, I both uh, ate that hot dog fast. I took it down. And I and I enjoyed it. Yes, it was great. I'm glad everyone enjoyed. Every time I eat during a break, those who are watching the show always have comments about my uh, hot dog eating during a break. Smells very very good. uh, Turned on or turned off by your eating? Well, depends on who they are. (laughs) I think some are probably turned off, and many are turned on. Yeah. I love how you looked at David. I don't know. Reed. I gotta look. I gotta look back at our demographics <laughs> of the show to see. Uh, what Reed, Reed. Looks I love how you looked like. at David. Yeah, Reed yeah please that. don't ever say that again and make eye contact with me. <laughs> haven't uh, Reed? We haven't gotten those uh, demo reports from Skyview yet, so I don't know how many were turned on and how many were turned off, but we'll find out. Outkick three hundred and sixty rolls on. I'm going to get to Paul's three things to watch for the Titans and Saints in just a moment, but first, um, the 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 one area of concern for me for the Titans in the the immediate would be how do they handle a situation that they faced in Indianapolis without Derrick Henry? They trailed 14 nothing in that game. And they, it was early, so you can stick with your game plan. But can you stick with the run game for the duration of a, of a four-quarter output that this Titans team has been used to doing, just no, no matter the score? And I, I emphasize that because that was a huge... Uh, that, that's a huge advantage, for a, a team that prides itself on the run, the, the idea would be, okay, let's make them one-dimensional. we got to get the early lead. You take away their run games. We've got to throw. And the Titans just didn't have to do that with Henry. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be able to run for 150 yards a game, but you have to have some emphasis on the run game to stick with the identity of offense because I do think they have to play that way. Because as we've seen, I think a lot of teams have to play that way. If you throw 50-plus passes in a game, you're losing. Look around the league. Even the best quarterbacks can't throw 50-plus and win. And Tannehill is making some, some bad throws as of late. I'm no quarterback expert, but when you throw into coverage the way he's been doing recently, not good. And to me, Paul, that, that, that's, the, that's the area where the defense stopped and held the field goals in the red zone they allowed the offense to play with a comfort level with their run game, which wasn't great. Their passing game wasn't great. But they grabbed that early 14-3 lead because of their defense, padded the scoreboard a little bit, and you were able to get within rhythm of your game plan, even though that rhythm wasn't anything that they want to carry over this week. And, and this game was typical with the hold them to a field goal on that first first drive. Well, they had two sacks on that first drive. Yeah. Um, they're really remarkable at that. You know, the, the, even though the Titans took a big 14-3 lead pretty quickly, that, yeah. that action was mostly in the second quarter, by the way, where, where the Rams are really good in the second quarter. Right. And they withstand the first quarter where the momentum really was L.A.'s with the red zone stop, which the Titans have a real tendency to do. They're getting a little bit outplayed, but they hold. Mm-hmm. And they and hold not, and give themselves I'm not insinuating. Chance. I'm not buying the fact that they can't do it. I just... That's that's the one no, area offensively they're not ready to handle. Well, let's let's plug right into that on yeah. my three things to watch this week because it's going to be very hard in that area because the Saints have the top run defense in the NFL. They're giving up 74 yards a game. So with Derrick Henry, this might have been a very tough game yes. to maintain their run hold. How are you going to run enough in this game to uh, – to, to do the balance thing you want. Tannehill's probably going to have to throw a lot. They're fifth in points, um, and, and they only have 13 sacks. The game, if it shapes the way games shape against the Saints this year, is not going to shape the way the Titans generally want it to shape. Um, 
Matt Ryan threw it 30 times, you know, and, and the Falcons ran it 25 times for 34 yards in a win. So they got the carries, but can you, how many times are you going to win a game averaging 1.4 yards? Mm. Uh, that's remarkable that they ran it 25 times. Matt Ryan was five of those. So they ran it with backs or, or players uh, 20 times. But 1.4-yard average, can the Titans sustain that? That's a real aberration. Yep. That's a problem in this game. How, well, much, so, how much can you get? How much can you stick with it? And can they protect Tannehill with the pass rush of New Orleans as well? Yes. They're, they're winning. New Orleans is winning with their defense. It's a defense-first mentality. It was with Jameis Winston, and it is without him. That's their identity as well. Uh, they they want to run the football. Uh, they want to do that with Kamara. They, they're going to get you off the field, hold you to field goals at worst. It's a, it's a lot like the same mentality the Titans bring in week in, week out. I think the Titans are more efficient top to bottom on offense or were. And the, the Saints are also having to work through some of their offensive issues. We're not going to know who the quarterback is probably till game time, Friday at the earliest. So Trevor Simeon got the start in this game. He fared all right numbers-wise, I guess, but it's – only completed 58% of his passes. Well, 5.83 yards per attempt. Three TDs, no picks. Lost a fumble. Drops and penalties were really the problem for the Saints against This Atlanta. was not much of a game, though. This was a 24-6 to yeah, they Atlanta lead in the fourth quarter. And the Saints came back to take a 25-24 lead. And then Matt Ryan and the offense got a drive and won. Cordero Patterson... Uh, Chad's fantasy player. Yeah. Hopefully you're playing him. I did. I did this week. So for sure. Taysom Hill might have had a chance to start this game, but he was in concussion protocol until I think Thursday last week. So if they had had even prep weeks, Sean Payton might have had a decision to make. He went with Simeon because he had a full prep week. Now the Titans know Simeon well. He was here last year. Um, in training camp, and then he was the emergency isolation quarterback for a while. Then they didn't protect him, and, and he, he got clean. Um, Taysom Hill, a different kind of guy, mm-hmm. more active as, as a runner, certainly more gimmick stuff. But the Titans probably aren't going to know. It's going to be asked 10 times at practice this week, which quarterback do you prepare for? How do you prepare for him? They're going to say they prepare for – for both, they prepare for the Saints' offense. Um, you know, they really like the idea of Hill coming in for his role. And when you start Hill, you don't have that. Simeon doesn't come in and do the same right. thing. So that works unfairly, I think, against Hill I in think terms that's, of that's getting the start. That's part of the reason why they went with Winston in camp. Well, they always had the thing that, that the second quarterback was going to be the in-game backup while Hill played his role. But if Winston or the starter was out, then Hill would have a chance to compete to be the starter. That's going to go into action this week because Hill is healthy. So we'll see what they do there. My third thing is David Long because we've talked about, and the Titans have a lot of playmakers on defense now. Uh, and, you know, the Titans have survived missing guys all around the thing. But David Long, to me, is a, and you talked about kind of up the middle, which I think is a good way to look at it. So you've got Simmons and Autry up the middle. You've got Byard and, and to a degree, Hooker up the middle. But David Long, to me, has become a real resource for it's them. Back to what up, they, up the middle. It's back to what they were with Casey, 
with Woodyard and with Byard. Really, some real I mean, intelligent leaders. Yeah, smart, understanding, sideline to sideline stuff. And I think David Long, uh, he's got 66 tackles, team high. He settles things down. And without him, you're either back to Rashawn Evans, who's missed two games now with an ankle, or you're back to Rice, who started the game that Brown and Evans were both out of and then played zero defensive snaps this week and only played on special teams. So either way, it's a come it's down. A very, Jayon Brown will be out very there. Very defined role for But without him. Long, you'd be hurting. That's an injury report we're going to want to see. I suspect this is not reporting. This is me reaching a conclusion based off the feeling I get from what I have and have not heard that he's going to miss time. And what's his official injury? That they, they never reported it. It we'll was late, late in the game. It's a leg. He limped. Leg. limped yeah, on. yeah, yeah. But I didn't know what exactly it yeah, was. Yeah, I don't either. Um, yeah, that's that's not good. That's taking away one of their best players and a guy that's in, he's in, in rhythm. He's in every, every play. Yeah, in sync, you know? Um, a guy you can count on. That's how I, I want to describe the, 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 the guys that we have been discussing defensively today. You can count on them week in, week out, right? And how, yep. last year there was nobody. Nobody, week in, week out. You know who guys else who flashed was terrific well, Dupree's becoming that guy yeah. the healthier he gets. Yeah. You, and you see know who it else? coming where now he's a guy you can rely on. You guys probably talked about him before I, my late flight arrived yesterday. Chris Jackson was fantastic oh, he's, in this game. And he's been targeted. He's been picked on. Teams are trying to pick on him. And they just cut Breon Borders today in addition to Josh Reynolds. Now, Breon Borders was kind of Chris Jackson, not a different player, but a guy who Cutting could capably to, get you on, uh, get on the field and, and play snaps for Cutting you him to like re-sign him to the practice squad? I mean, uh, that, that sounds like a move. I mean, this doesn't sound like a Josh Reynolds move. Presumably back on the practice squad, but that means Chris Jones at the very least has overtaken Breon Borders um, as a guy in the secondary. And Breon Borders, you remember during camp, they were really, really high on. Um, he's and, very good in the red zone. Yeah, but he's not been playing uh, much. And Chris Jackson... Um, is feeling like a seventh round find, you know, and and you remember when Chris Jackson got drafted, we were all scrambling to find stuff on him. Like he was a guy that not many people wrote much about coming out of Marshall. Um, I, I like all three of those uh, uh, for the focus going into the week, the game week. Week ten is already here in, in the NFL. One more thing, I, because I, <laughs> I'm now going to look at this every week because I found where the Rams did most of their scoring. The Saints score 43 percent of their points in the fourth quarter. So maybe some of that's tacking on to, to losses or whatever. Well, last week but, certainly helped them in that area. Yeah. Because they were down 24 to 6. So look out for that. Go ahead and get your lead. Um, but, this game scares me a little bit. Something Just, to wa- that, it's been a hell of a month, and they're kind of due for a Titan-esque letdown. I think this is a better team than the teams that have had letdowns, but they're going to lose a couple games somewhere in here, and this is – one Gosh, of those teams that that somehow puts a wrench in people's and it's because uh, they they the Saints they will take away the run game. I mean the Seattle game, the Seattle game, and the Saints game. By the way, the Saints were the team I was trying to think of yesterday that didn't fly home from the West Coast um, and stayed out there for an extra day, then flew back and then prepared for a short week. The Titans did a similar um, thing. the The Saints. I remember Lisa Salters. I think reporting on Monday night. Football. I think it was a Monday night game. Maybe wrong. Maybe Sunday night. Maybe it to for you. She said 
uh, the Saints laughed at them in the production meeting when discussing how the Seahawks wanted to run the football because the Saints said, trust us, they're not running the football on us, period. They're not getting 100 yards. And it has been uh, it has been 20-plus games, maybe more, since they've allowed a 100-yard rusher. They did, two, they did it twice, and it came in the same game. I don't think it's happened since. And it would have been nice to have seen Derrick Henry challenge, oh, no challenge doubt. that. No doubt. It's not going to be. Uh, look, if if uh, Adrian Peterson and Deontay Foreman and, and Jeremy McNichols are the trio that break that streak. I do. Hey, you know what? I came out of that game more impressed with the way Deontay Foreman was yeah, running. Everybody's talking that way. Small sample size, though. Ten carries to five carries to... To whatever he ran, he ran hard though. He did. I, I, he I did. liked, he but I don't good. know that anybody needs to be anointed. I mean, it's going to be no. A, no, it's going to be a puzzle. There's not going to be the bell cow. Yeah, yeah. They, he that, ran well though. He slipped yeah. on one it's, good. It's run. a committee. He slipped on one good run where he had yeah. room up the middle where he could have gotten more. He was upset. Yeah, but, but I, I mean, it, uh, why wasn't he in the league? I don't know. That's why weird. was Adrian Peterson not in the league? Yeah, Adrian Peterson. It sounds like turned some stuff down. He also turned down. Well, he turned on dancing with the stars. with the stars. So he turned I know he's trying to the make Titans money. Call. I, I thought the initial story, I thought that he was going to do Dancing with the Stars. Titans called. He opted out of no, that. Dancing that with it, the Stars is going on right yeah, now. Yeah, he said so. that he wanted to hold out hope that For he was still going to get a call. So, so that he's means, gonna, But he said, I still want to do it in the future. So you're making he's more money. You're making more money on the kind of contract he got now, even with the partial season, than you're making on Dancing with the Stars, which isn't that lucrative. Dancing with the Stars is more about the pub, right? Maybe the winner does well, but it's mostly about the pub. I would think it's it's about the pub, for sure. I mean, there's money involved, but it's it's about the pub. Let's uh, there there is a fourth item that we need to discuss. Item four, as opposed to item zero, also known as item D. Item number seventy-seven, Taylor Lewan. Yeah, uh, who warmed bad. up and, by all accounts, was lit. I mean, the national broadcast and the local broadcast both want both expected Taylor Lewan to go based I, on warm up. I said early in the Paul day, Paul did too. That Julio, I mean that uh, AJ that, Brown, and, and that Lamont tells you the going. expectation going into the game was he's the he's the starter. And he the did first not start. question that Vrabel took about Lawan, he mentioned the five guys who started and did not mention Lawan until there was a follow up question about Lawan. Then he gave that in an emergency answer that he gave about Bud Dupree, the game that Bud Dupree dressed and didn't play. Well, so there, I want to preface the discussion we're about to have with this. If he was not able to go. It's odd that he warmed up the way he did. At least I, I found that to be odd. If he's going, if he's not able to go an emergency only, um, I get you want to have him warm up, but Paul even observed this, and there's no reason to doubt it because there's video of it. He looked ready to go. He, he did. He appeared the end ready. Of the individual he's warm getting up, himself he did into his it. thing where he kicks the pylon right. and gets like getting steam coming out of his ears and high fives everybody. Very normal. Very normal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... There's a there's an NFL rule that you ha- if you have the 48 man roster and then I believe if you use the call up from the practice there's a rule where if you're called it, up twice. You, as well, a- no, no, not the call up twice. If you if you use that if you use that option, you you must keep eight active offensive linemen on your game day roster. Yes. and so they had exactly eight. I they did not no have a what. they did not have another option. To in, to have Lawan inactive, so he was active and he was the eighth. He was all he was almost like the ceremonial eighth offensive lineman dun, dun, because uh, you have to do it. But 
it also doesn't make sense that he warmed up the again like it was just it's just odd the whole season for him has been very off weird the whole thing and they are winning without him winning without him that should be a flashing see this neon sign behind me yep. this should be flashing in Taylor Lewan's head well because they can they the, can part the clock ways. is ticking they can on part Taylor Lewan they can part ways with him at the end of the season and they only they'll only count like a million or something uh less than two million against the cap next year to Look, get rid of him what who, would who work can watch just for just, Taylor Lewan let me just yeah. finish this one thought what has to happen for a, a, a player like Taylor Lewan, who's been elite at his best, has unbelievable athleticism for a left tackle. But when he goes out of the lineup, from, from his personal perspective, not that he's rooting for it, team needs to suffer without him there. And you need to be saying, oh my God, we've got to get Taylor Lewan back in the lineup. That's what we came into the season saying. Oh, Taylor Lewan's going to be back from his ACL. Right. And they're not going to have to, to put a tight end next to the left tackle all season. And while Sam Brilo and Questenberry did nice work there last year, what a relief it's going to be. Well, here he's missed some games and not finished some games, and they have just kept going. And all of a sudden you say, this guy's very expensive, mm-hmm. and he appears expendable. Taylor Lewan's clock is ticking. He's a lovable guy who at his peak played well, but these days seem to be numbered. Well, I mean, go back to the press conference where he's in the boss hog, all white suit. When he got his contract. And the play that led to that boss hog, all white suit in that contract, more importantly, and the money he was making on that contract. And now fast forward to now and show me signs this season where Taylor Lewan is fully committed to football long-term. I haven't seen that since the knee injury. There's no evidence since he's been hurt. There's zero evidence. Well, go to the season before he the injury. He took himself out of the game he against Arizona. He got suspended Arizona. for four games. He right. got, he got then whipped. the next season he tears the ACL, yep. and now he doesn't have a complete. That's three seasons in a row where you're not close to 16 games. I mean, look, I, I see that as a guy who got paid and, and isn't as into it anymore. And there's and look, he's also a guy. But I, see, yeah. One of the things we love about Taylor Warner, everyone does, is that he's an interesting guy. He's got a big personality. He's and, funny. And they don't have a He's ton got of those a lot guys. of other interests, right? I also just see a player that doesn't trust the surgically repaired knee that he's playing on. Saw it in warm-ups in Seattle. Bud Dupree's ahead of him now, and Bud Dupree suffered his injury three months later. I don't it, 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 nothing really matches up with all this. What so what he missed the game with a concussion where he I mean he dove in and gave himself a concussion. I mean, it's just it's all very Odd. Yes. The whole thing. And then the way this was handled this past week, odd. Because you don't fly him to the West Coast. Uh, where Again, it was the knee issue that popped up this past week, right? Yeah. He on was a, on, the, on the injury report, report late in the week. Maybe Friday. You don't fly him to the West Coast and then warm him up to have, have him, him active and eighth, not start. Have him be your If he's line. active, he's a starter. You don't fly out there the day before without the option of calling someone up if you think he's going to be a non-factor for you. It no, just makes no sense. And other players said they didn't know until shortly is, before the game. Tannehill said that. Uh, Saffold said that. I don't want this to come across as, uh, you know, Chad doesn't like Taylor Lewan or doesn't think he's like good Taylor or whatever. We, we like Taylor Lewan. I'm just looking at the evidence in front of us. The evidence is he's a guy who doesn't want to play football anymore. Plain and simple. Well, and it, he's not. He's not sure about his life. It's because no he's one's not, willing to say it because everyone likes Taylor Lewan. Absolutely. And, I mean, the, the injuries, everything else, and this is not 
That's just what it looks like. He looks like a guy who ever since he got the contract, Mm -hmm. then the suspension happened, then the knee injury happened, then the concussion happens, uh, then the Arizona Cardinals and Chandler Jones happens. Uh, the you know, there's just all this evidence that I don't see someone just foaming at the mouth to go out there and knock somebody's block off and prove everyone wrong. And he used to be that guy. Well, but the time. I mean, and if psychologically, this is not a sport that you can uh, dip your toes but in even, there. You got to dive in off the high dive. But it lets, so psychologically, if he's not all in, it's it's going to be impossible and to I've play heard, that position. I've heard from people, Chad, that have said, "Well, there have been instances of him playing well. Even those games have been odd because the, of the post game comments. The post game comments after the Colts game because he his knee buckled against Seattle. The game after, uh, he checked himself out against Chandler Jones." Uh, his knee buckles in warm-ups in Seattle, doesn't play, comes back, plays, and then makes the post-game comment that he almost needed that performance more than the team needed a win. And, and still I, and, whines about the fans And that was after we had Arizona. the discussion about, okay, is he mentally back from this knee injury? Which was a valid question based on the response that he gave uh, both to the fans and to the media that day. And again, I'm not trying to read into every word the guy's saying, but even in good, good performances and good play, there have been just – Remarks that you're like, okay, maybe maybe this is an issue. Maybe he doesn't feel completely healthy. And look, I'll give props to Bobby Hart, who did a good enough job. And and that's all you're going to get out of Bobby, Bobby Hart, Hart, who is a right tackle. Right. That's all you're going to get out of Bobby Hart, who was on the street Just like Dylan three or four weeks ago. <laughs> no, not like no, Dylan he's, Ray. he's a guard. <laughs> Trust me, I'm kidding. He's a guard. But I, I also got to give props to the staff, to Keith Carter, the line coach, and then to Downing and Vrabel, who somehow I know. throw these guys out there and win games. And also, you got to put a strike against Sean McVay, who we all like. How are you not abusing the hell oh. out of that? How? The Titans abused the hell out of your interior line, and you've got Aaron Donald and some damn good linemen, and you're not finding a way to abuse I think both it- Bobby Hart and who was playing guard for Nate Davis. No, oh, Brewer. Aaron oh, Brewer? Aaron Brewer. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Brewer is okay. a pretty good player, but I mean, you um, got to try like hell to abuse those two well, guys, think, and they didn't. I think it goes and validates my point even further. It is extremely hard in the National Football League to, build, to, to be Wills Vitek, which is the worst player to ever oh, suit up for the Tennessee right. Titans. Right. It's really hard to be the worst. Who I want to get on this show at some point. Wills Vitek. Right here with us. And yeah, ask him the about mountain. That. He looks like the mountain from Game of Thrones and plays like the, you know, he plays like a plays mountain, like Peter too. Dinklage. He Play, plays, plays like, like a mountain in that he doesn't move. He, he looks like a mountain, plays like a molehill. <laughs> That's Will's Vitek. I mean, he plays like a lot of things that don't they move. He also played for a, a head coach who didn't give him much help. In he didn't care to protect his quarterback, which is the number one reason he got fired. Coming up, uh, speaking of quarterbacks, there's a really good one down in Knoxville. And we'll, we'll preview a discussion we're going to have uh, later this week about the excellent play of Hendon Hooker on the hill at Tennessee. That's next on Outkick 360. Three things to watch this week as the Tennessee Volunteers prepare for Georgia. Outkick 360 rolls on. We're going to get uh, in-depth on Hendon Hooker later this week in his great play, which will be on display yet again against that Georgia defense. Uh, But Chad... You are following closely the availability of the backfield behind Hendon Hooker. He's going to need some help. Yeah, Tyon Evans uh, was not right again. You know, after two weeks, you, you were hearing that maybe they're getting um, getting closer to one hundred percent there. But 
Uh, he clearly was not full go. He went out in this game. Jabari Small had a great 37-yard touchdown mm-hmm. run in the game with, with, with a really good move down the field, but he ended the game on the bench with his shoulder uh, being a problem again. Jalen Wright, the true freshman, was the one on the field in the fourth quarter uh, for Tennessee. And Jalen Wright's going to be a good runner for Tennessee, and he's got some ability. He, he can't do anything else. He, he doesn't know how to pass protect yet. He's not big and strong enough to hold up against SEC defenses at this point. Um, he's more of a scat back option. So, yeah, you know, Tennessee's going to have to get healthier uh, in the backfield. That, that to me, is, is step number one. Uh, defensive workload, you're going to hear a lot more about that. 99 plays for Kentucky. That's a school record. They're on the field a ton, 47 minutes I mean, they had a, in this game. A Ole Miss ran 101 plays. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Theo Jackson said, we're never going to complain about our offense scoring fast. Right, right. Points are good. That's not a problem for See, us. I, but I think that's going to be the, the part of the for formula, Tennessee is, unfortunately. The problem for Tennessee is they can't get out the field on third down because they're really bad across the middle of the field, and teams are now exposing that. The safety position is just slow for Tennessee. They're not covering anyone across the middle of the field, so – there's a lot of third downs being picked up uh, by the opposition. Got to get better with that. That's going to be, you know, how does Josh Heupel manage the roster this week, especially on defense with uh, uh, maybe limited reps, getting ready for another game against a Georgia team, but guess what they're going to try to do? Milk that clock, go on long maul drives, them. maul Tennessee on the ground throughout the game. Don't even let that offense on the field. That, that's going to be Georgia's game plan. Um, and, and the third thing that I'm watching Walter Nolan just committed to Texas A&M this weekend. That was Tennessee's big fish there in Knoxville. He was supposed to visit Knoxville this weekend. I don't think that's happening now that he's committed to Texas A&M. Is there going to be any type of recruiting uptick? Tennessee's released that they're not going to have a bowl ban. You hope this is the end of it with the NCAA. At some point, this success from Heupel needs to start paying some dividends. I'm not saying they're going to have a top 20 class this year. That's, that's probably difficult to expect given everything going into the season. Right. But someone in the state of Tennessee has to see what he's doing and the success on offense and say, you know what, I'm willing to jump on board. And that's on Heupel and his staff to make happen. They need to start getting some guys in the, in the fold for this upcoming recruiting class. Um, I, I think that that's important. By the way, quickly, because uh, I'm into it on Twitter with a couple people. Okay. Earlier I had the discussion Chad's where, back. where I just threw out uh, John Gruden. And I tweet a name I just floated as a possible next coach at Florida if they part ways with Mullen, John Gruden. Debate, discuss. And people are acting like I'm reporting John <laughs> Gruden to Florida. It was a discussion point on our show. He has property there. And oh, by the way, a very good one because every one of you are commenting on it. So you're proving my point. I mean, un- unbelievable. Well, then there's the guy who, who claims that uh, Dan Mullen was always choice number one at Florida. Shouldn't, that, let's go back to Tennessee recruiting. Shouldn't yeah. a receiver of all people, like, are, are they recruiting better at certain positions? Because if I'm a receiver and I watch what they did last week, hey, I, I could step on the field, catch a 75-yard touchdown pass, Paul, and I go don't back know. to the bench. I, I, I want to sign uh, up for that. This is, not, this is not even the UT grad in me talking. I don't know how if you are a skill player in the state of Tennessee, you are not signing up yep. for the production under Josh Heupel it's right fun. now. And you go back to UCF, Missouri, Oklahoma, yeah, every stop along the way. Well, the, He's had this happen. If you're a quarterback in the state, hello, Ty Simpson, who's currently committed to Alabama. If you are a receiver, a tight end, he's turned Jacob Warren into something who had a touchdown. I well, mean, he's not just throwing to receivers. Everyone's getting involved. Running back, 
and the production there. Well, I mean, the, the other thing we don't I, know. I, I don't. I don't get that part of it. The other thing we don't know is how much are they going to focus on the portal versus bringing in guys. Uh, well, as freshmen, the problem is the lack of success in in high school recruiting will lead to them being overly, overly active and aggressive. Yeah, and Hendon Hooker is the big question mark because and he's now starting to get some NFL that's, chatter. That's where we're going to scouts tomorrow. watching him. So yeah. he could still come back if he goes to the draft. Got to come. Then back. then you got to find Hendon Hooker of the and last honestly, five games has been excellent. Probably got to find a quarterback in the portal again, just like Hendon Hooker. And there's going to be some good guys, good names in that list. They hit on it once, but they they want to keep the guy that they hit on already, and that's Hendon Hooker. We'll discuss him more at length tomorrow. Plus, Kurt Warner joins the show for OutKick 360. Don't block the box. Do lock your locks.